0: Get ready because you're going to learn specific actions you can take today to help your business reach its full potential and leave a lasting impact on the world.
1: Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hadley, where I interview the top business leaders in e-commerce. Previous guests include Kevin King, Stephen Pope, and Roland Frazier today i'm speaking with brad amazon who is a current e-commerce brand owner he actually owns a couple brands and we're going to be talking a lot about his amazon journey some of the mistakes that he's made failures that he's made but also the success that he has experienced and how he's crushing it on amazon right now this episode is brought to you by ecom breakthrough consulting where i help seven figure companies grow to eight figures and beyond listen brad i started Hadley designs back in 2015 and Grew it to an eight-figure brand in seven years, but I made a lot of mistakes along the way that made getting to that eight-figure mark take a little bit longer. There were times that I doubted whether I could run the business as a, as a CEO, whether that brand would survive, um, or if we could continue to you know change as times adapt on e-commerce. And I wish I would have had a guide to help me grow faster and to help me overcome a lot of those stumbling blocks. If any of our listeners have hit those similar plateaus and want to take, want to know the next steps that they need to take to take their brand to the next level, then go to ecombreakthrough.com. That's ecom with two Ms to learn more. And as a special bonus to my podcast listeners this month, I'm giving away one $10,000 comprehensive business strategy audit at no cost. All you need to do is email me at josh at ecombreakthrough.com with the subject line strategy audit for your chance to win. Tell me why we should choose your brand as a brand that we wanna work with. Um, And then if you don't win this month, don't worry, you'll be entered for future months to come. But today, I am super excited to introduce you to Brad Allen. Uh, I met him at uh, Kevin King's Billion Dollar Seller Summit, and uh, he's gonna have a lot of knowledge to share with us. Brad started on Amazon with some creative retail and online arbitrage strategies in 2015. He sold everything from toys to high-end skincare, and throughout that process, he lived and ran his Amazon business remotely in South America and Africa. He had his account suspended and went into 400 k of credit card and loan debt, but he's eventually built two private label brands that will earn eight figures combined this year. So welcome to the podcast, Brad.
0: Good to be here, and I want to sign up for that audit. I didn't know that that was an option, so I don't know if the guests are able to uh, sign up for that, but uh, I'm gonna put my entry in. Hey,
1: there there it is. This
0: will be this will be part of that uh,
1: that application process (laughs) for you now. Um, So, Brad, thank you again for joining me. Super excited to be talking to you. I I'm gonna dive in like immediately to what was mentioned in your bio. You had your account suspended. You had you ran into 400k of debt and loans, um, but you've kind of come out the other end, and you're uh, you're crushing it right now on Amazon. So tell me, Brad, what happened with the account suspension?
0: Um, so I I was doing um retail arbitrage, and I got I got really into it. Uh, it's it was actually kind of unique. It started off uh, where I was um I. I I was really into eBay growing up, so I was always selling stuff just, like, as a kid throughout the house, whether it was mine or not. I was grabbing, like, antiques from the basement and, like, selling stuff out of the garage. And I think that's where I got kind of, you know, introduced to e-commerce and kind of obsessed. So that, that kind of was always on the side, and I was doing that through grade school, high school. Um, And then into college and I learned about Amazon FBA and I think 2012 Um, and as an eBay guy, it was like blew me away because I was, you know, the guy waiting in line at the uh, at the post office and (laughs) having to deal with customers. So the fact that you could just send a bunch of items in and Amazon will ship it and take care of customer service was very appealing to me. So I started, um, I just started watching videos and the easiest way to start, which I don't know how many people really started out like this, but I'm sure some, but I was going into, you know, odd lots and Walmarts and just buying toys or whatever I could find. And essentially I was just kind of learning that process. Um, so, you know, that was a good way to like get my feet wet into Amazon FBA, um, and then, you know, life kind of happened where that was put off to the side. Um, I was in the corporate world for a while, uh, not doing very well. I just um, was not very passionate about what I was doing. And uh, I got a call from a buddy. Um, I, I was living in South Florida. I'm from Ohio originally. And uh, I got gotten fired from one job. You know, I was working for good companies. They were like Fortune 500 companies. And... I, I kind of noticed right away that the people that were successful were extremely passionate about the company and they had just drank the Kool-Aid. Mm. And I just di- I just didn't care, really. I thought our products were overpriced, which is not the mentality <laughs> that you want to have <laughs> when you're trying to sell something. Um, so I was just kind of um, just doing enough not to get fired. And my friend uh, in Columbus had called me and said, hey, I just bought this epoxy coating company. So what we're doing is we're installing um, like showroom floors in garages. You know, the, the garages in Columbus or the Midwest are all cracked and spalled. Um, so, I, you know, this was December and he's like, hey, I can't pay you that much. But, th- you know, this will be our company. Um, and I'll, I'll share profits with you. So I, I wasn't really doing much, in, you know, in terms of growing personally or professionally, although I was in South Florida, which was pretty cool for, for an Ohio guy. Sure. So I, I took him up on it, and I remember it was December. I go from this cushy sales job in South Florida, even though I didn't like it, and then all of a sudden I am installing um, garage floors in the suburbs of Columbus, in December. (laughs) We're using like heaters to keep ourselves warm. And the funny thing was I actually was enjoying it more uh, because it was ours. So that kind of like turned on the light that, you know, the way that I'm going to be successful is if I'm doing something for myself um, like or as a team. And that kind of drew me back to this e-commerce stuff. Um, And like I was saying, I, I had learned about uh, the Amazon FBA, and I had a, 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 this background in eBay. So I, I just kind of, um, I remember in one of your podcasts, you were talking about how after work you would go home and just watch videos um, yeah. because you, you know, you kind of saw that as as a way out. But, you know, what you have to do is you have to put in the time, you know, even after a long day of work, when most people are just watching TV or they want to decompress, um, I was just drawn to just scanning eBay, um, you know, looking at Amazon. And I, I was like, I w- was wondering if there was an opportunity for products that I could buy on eBay and flip on Amazon. And I I kind of just somehow stumbled upon this um, category of high-end skincare. And I, I was noticing that there was these really, uh, like, high-end brands they were selling for, you know, almost nothing on eBay because, like, who's going to eBay to buy, you know, their $100 Kate Somerville serum? They're going right. to the store or somewhere else. So I, I started just buying a couple products, and, you know, the prices were 50 to $100, and I'm flipping them for 100 to $200 plus on Amazon, and I'm doing an FBA. So, you know, that person, you know, has a little bit more faith in buying it on Amazon when they have the they're buying at prime and they have they right. return it if, if it's fake. So I started creating some systems where um, you know, I had this whole list of all the products that were doing well. Um, I used uh, Easy Sniper, which was a program that was, would bid at the last minute um, you know, during these auctions. And I started contacting sellers and saying, hey, if you have these products, um, I'd love to buy them from you. So they were cutting me deals. And and all of a sudden I started to see, you know, some success. And, you know, it was like amazing to me that, you know, like, because the products were so small, but the prices were so high. So it was easy to ship in. And then, you know, my revenue kept growing. Um, and then, you know, kind of the theme is I'll, I'll become obsessed with these niches. And that niche, I just started to really understand well. And I was wondering, you know, I wonder if I can buy some of these products, um, you know, online, not from eBay. And a lot of these brands are, are gated because they're big brands. Uh, but there was these European products that, um, that they only sell at dermatologists in the States. So I, I started researching on Google, and there was nothing on the first couple pages. So then I was searching deeper. And then I'm, like, on seven or eight page. And there were these retail stores selling them in Europe. Um, And these products were, you know, selling for $185 to $250. And I was getting them for $55 to like $75. So I contacted this guy in Cyprus. I just emailed him. He had a website. um, And we kind of worked something out. And then um, I had like a couple other retailers. So now I have like six or seven products that I'm, you know, essentially importing. And then I... I hired a 3PL, so I'm just shipping it to them. And then it was super easy. I mean, all of a sudden, I started making really good money just on six or seven products. Yeah. And, it, and the idea was that, you know, Karen or Susan goes to the dermatologist and gets this European product, and then she doesn't want to go back there to buy it. She goes online, and there's no options because, you know, if she gets to the fourth or fifth page, she can get it from Europe but then has to wait 10 days. So I'm offering it to her on Amazon Prime. Um, you know, it's kind of expensive, but not anymore. She's paying a dermatologist. So it was yeah, just like sure. a really, it was a really creative um, arbitrage opportunity. And when I, I eventually, I started making enough money where I, you know, I was making more money than I was with the other business. Um, and then that's, I'd always had a dream to, to live in another country. So I, I was like, you know, I've made it, this is it. Like I, deep down, I knew it was just retail arbitrage. It wasn't <laughs> a real business, but, you know, I, I kind of just took a risk and I, I had always wanted to live in another country. So I moved to Buenos Aires and ran that business for about uh, a year and then traveled over to Africa and um, was legitimately doing that, like Tim Ferriss, four hour work week. I was working like four hours. Um, and you know, making good money and you know and enjoying traveling um but the the eventually that caught up to me and uh, uh you know like that's not sustainable um uh I moved to San Diego and then one morning I woke up and I got that dreaded um you know your 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 uh, selling privileges have been suspended, oh. so um that kind of ended that whole era of just you know traveling and not doing much work and just benefiting from you know having a creative strategy that eventually was going to catch up to me what was it that caused the suspension then so they i was doing a lot of volume and there were a couple of complaints of people that said that the products were inauthentic which you know they were definitely authentic you know i had sold thousands of products but Um, Amazon said, hey, we need manufacturer's receipts. And not only did I not have those, but I had retail receipts from Europe. So, you know, Mm. I submitted that and, you know, they didn't accept that. You know, I hired a lawyer. This was a very expensive process. I had all of this product I couldn't sell. Unfortunately, I hadn't been like saving my money. So I was like in a really bad position and it was, you know, kind of, Um, my options were, hey, go back to the corporate world or like finally buckle down and figure out private label. This was something that I was, you know, I knew about. It was just the elephant in the room, but I knew that it took a lot of work and effort to figure it out. And I was, you know, I, I wasn't, I was too comfortable. So, and I don't think that's, you know, and I've learned that like if you're comfortable, even if you have a successful private label business, there's always changes going on. There's always competitors that are doing different things that are going to surpass you. So if you, if you aren't constantly working on your business, then, you know, someone's going to pass you by. So that was like a huge lesson that I learned. Um, But also it was, it's one of those things where getting my account suspended was the best thing that happened to me. Interesting. I love
1: that. And I think that that is every, I think Amazon seller's like worst nightmare, right? As you wake up and it's like, OMG, like it oh, all just it disappeared overnight. Yes, absolutely. So is that where, and then correlating with that, you were also 400K in debt from no, that? Not, or not is that a separate?
0: That. Yeah. So, so then, you know, as I tried to find some um, products or, you know, essentially I just went all in on learning as much as I could. So every article, every YouTube video, I was listening to podcasts. Um, And I, and there was, it's funny because like, I still remember where I was when I heard like one podcast that really resonated. And it was, um, I was trying to like, just find an easy way to get into private label just to learn it. Um, And and I, like, I've always been a person that will just, you know, take a step forward be, before you have everything organized and ready to go. Um, like imperfect action, I think is, is really important because and like in a lot of, you know, in life in general, like everyone, a lot of people hold back because they think that they need, you know, I need to lose this amount of weight or I need to have like, I need to know PPC and all this stuff before I get started. But I would always just dive in. And then, so I was looking for an opportunity where I could just dive in and, and learn. And um, yeah, I listened to a podcast where they talked about, it was a woman, she was talking about the gift category and uh, talking about how it's really easy to get started. You don't have to buy from China. There's plenty of promotional companies in the States. Um, just create a design, slap it on some sort of vehicle, whether it, you know it's a T-shirt or a wine glass, and then... You know, create the listing and then just go from there, start, start, you know, do some keyword research and then start reviewing the data and then, you know, seeing exactly what you have and then learning along the way. So that's actually, I bring up wine glasses, but I I also went to, I don't know if you remember, like Merch by Amazon, like back in the day was huge. Yep. 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 Did you ever, did you have a Merch by Amazon account? We we still have a Merch by
1: Amazon account where... Uh, We have team members that just upload designs there um, on an ongoing basis. It's not by any means the majority of our revenue, but it's a fun little side hustle. And my mom actually gets to be involved on that side of the business. So for me, it's a fun way to like, you know, it gives my mom something to do and allows her to work from home and stay engaged in in what we're doing as a business. So I see it as a fun, fun like side hustle or hobby. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's cool that you can get her involved and that, you know, because that's not a major part of your business, but you can include her and, you know, she can do some income. And then also it's it's like a creative outlet because, you know, you're coming up with designs and, you know, seeing what's trending. And, you know, that's essentially what I do with a lot of my business. And, um, yeah, I I just love that creativity aspect of of Merch by Amazon. Yeah. So where did this 400K in debt come from then? Okay, so... So then
1: I'm I waiting kind of, for you to get to, you keep, you keep leading me down this, this you keep leaving me
0: with cliffhangers. So, so I kind of took those two ideas of the merch by Amazon where you're, you know, outsourcing this design work. And then, you know, I, I, I launched a couple like wine glasses and I was like, Oh, well, I'll, I'll just outsource this design work, um, stay in this gift category where it's just endless. The opportunities, um, you know, In terms of niches, like gifts for dad, gifts for mom, llama llama lover gifts. I mean, gifts for runners. There's an insane amount of of opportunities there. Um, So I I I ended up finding like a higher end vehicle than like instead of the wine glass that I could uh, display my you know designs on, and these just like really took off. And no matter what I put out there, it would just land like I would rank really quickly. Um, Mm. so all of a sudden, this was in 2019, um, simultaneously, my friend was interested in Amazon. So I just kind of started teaching him everything that I was doing. And I was like, Hey, this product I have is awesome. You just need to create some designs. I'll show you how. And we will, uh, both, we will launch, you know, at the same time or like consistently, but we'll stay out of each other's categories. So, and I was, I was doing that. I was like this you know, capital might be an issue. So I will use some of his, you know, the profits that he makes and put into my business. Like little did I know like exactly how much capital that you needed to to run these businesses. So I think in 2019, we did like just under, under a million. And then, you know, during COVID in 2020, we, we did like four to five times. Um, So, and all of our 50% of our revenue because we're in the gift category comes in, um, November and December. So I all of a sudden was, you know, doing five times and then it was all on the back end. So I, you know, I wasn't doing a great job of saving money before I started this venture. So all of a sudden I needed to buy all of this inventory to keep up with the growth and then also have the product for that, those last couple months. So then around like, you know, a little after summer, you know, I'm like, I have to buy all these containers and like, I don't have the money to do this. So I had a business, you know, account and then a personal account and I had personal credit cards. So I was just opening whoever would give me a credit card. I mean, some of them were small, like, cause it got to a point where, you know, the credit card companies like this guy's got like 15 credit cards. Um, and then I was taking small loans through my Amazon account out, you know, a bank wouldn't yeah. give it to me. And yeah. then you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'd been doing well the year before, and like had some money. You know, I should have saved more of it. And then I'm at a point where I have to keep on buying inventory. And I remember I was just like eating ramen. You know, and it's funny because uh, I like had a successful business. Man, you're seven.
1: Like, you're a seven-figure yeah, 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 seller yeah. plus, and seven, then you're yeah. you're eating ramen.
0: Yeah, we were low to mid um, seven figures. You know, at that point, 2020. And, you know, I just didn't I didn't uh, foresee the amount of capital. So, yeah, that was very stressful, but I, I'm kind of, you know, definitely a risk taker. So it, it didn't bother me as, as much as is, as, you know, it might bother someone else. I, I kind of had that, you know, oh, this will all work out. And we had a couple like containers get caught up and then I got worried. So it, it's being in the gift category, especially as you're growing is is always risky. Um, but apparently, you know, I can, there's some sleepless nights, but I I, I can handle it. So yeah, I, I had that debt and then eventually, you know, and I got ripped off on interest rates and all that, but you know, there was no other, no other way, but you know, we made all that money and then some, and then that we finally got over the hump that year. So that's, that's where all that debt came into play. So it was, uh, it was kind of funny to just try to, (laughs) It was it felt amazing to start paying those off. Like when all that money oh, came I'm in sure. end of November and December, you know, your your accounts just bulging and uh, it felt great to pay that off. So Yeah.
1: But I'm sure that was a that was a probably a pretty scary or you know stressful moment, you know, as you're like, All right, here goes all the wire transfers for all of this inventory. I hope it pans out like I hope, right? Yes. And,
0: yeah. There, yeah, and the, it did, uh, which
1: is good, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it could have not. Like, I, I mean, this yep. last year I had a container that didn't show up, um, you know, in time for Christmas. So we were okay. But if that would have happened, the you know previous year, that would have been detrimental. And then you have you know your loan people and credit card people saying, "Hey, you got to pay this off." So yeah, yeah it, it, I, I'm very grateful. It, it worked out. Um, looking back, I should have been a little bit more nervous and worried than I was, but, um, I'm kind of glad that, you know, I took that risk. So what's the
1: lesson learned there? You know, if you were to just kind of sum it up there specific to building your private label brand and you had to, you know, spend 400 K and, and dive into some loans where, which you said was a little risky, you know, any deviation of, uh, something getting held up could have been tremendously impactful on the negative side of your business. So, What's the lesson learned there for other sellers that are listening?
0: The lesson learned is is don't underestimate how much you're going to grow or how much capital that you're going to need. So, you know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, I, everything that I make, I put back in the business. And, you know, I realize that there's a reason why they do that. Because, yeah, the you know, if we were only grow, growing two times, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal, but you never know, you know exactly what your growth trajectory is going to be, and if it's if it's in, you know intense and you know you don't want to like scale that scale the growth back because you don't have the funding. So financially, maybe try to figure out what your goal is or what's realistic, and make sure that you know you are putting that money back in and not spending you know that money foolishly because. It's it's a long term play um, as opposed to like, don't buy that car just because you like think, oh, I have like a one or two million dollar business. I'm making this money. You know, all the really great entrepreneurs and, um, you know, they they really will not, you know, they'll live within their means and below their means while they grow. And I had always heard that, but like I really didn't (laughs) obviously understand it that well. So I would say that. And then also, yeah, the different a lot of people look at Amazon and, you know, I have tons of friends that say, oh, I want to get into it. And and I look at these people and I'm like, I don't know that they have that risk tolerance where they can actually put everything on the line. And and a lot of and that's just entrepreneurs in general Um, where, yeah, like it's it's one thing to say, oh, I want to make more money and I want to have my own business but you also have to realize that you're going to have to really take some risks. And, you know, that a lot of these billionaires, I mean, they go, you know, you hear stories, how they go broke, you know, they're like, Oh, I've been broken, rich a certain amount of times. And that's because they take risks. So yeah, realize it, like being financially, um, you know, intelligent, um, maybe forecasting, which I didn't do. And then also, being able to to take those risks. Some of some of the risks I was taking were just almost kind of foolish, but it, like it worked out. I think that's just sometimes I don't think of the You know, I just think it will work out, which is probably, you know, it's worked out so far. <laughs> probably, yeah. you know, a, a good trait to have. Um, but maybe I need to be a little bit more responsible about that at the same time, because, I, you know, obviously that was a, a very stressful situation I put myself in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that 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 is an important takeaway for anybody trying to scale up a business. You know, when we started our business, we started and I worked for American Airlines for five years. Right. While we kept building the business and I used our my salary from American Airlines as that I call that my venture funding. Right. That's what we lived off of, because when you're in the, you know, physical product space, it requires a lot of capital to have to purchase new inventory to be planning for upcoming events and seasonal spikes and it does require a lot of of capital and so you do have to invest that. You can't just say, "Hey, I've got a seven-figure brand now. Where's my, you know, Mercedes? Where's my Tesla or whatever that is?" you know, like don't don't inflate your lifestyle as your business grows. Instead, like just keep pumping into that business and Down the road, you can you can reap those benefits.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Brad, I want to get into you're in a very competitive category, right? You're in the gift space. Now, I think many people, as they listen to different podcasts and and courses, they try to avoid gifts in general because a lot of those gifts are kind of like broad keywords, right? Now, they have a ton of search volume, right? Like gifts for mom or Christmas gift ideas for the wife or something like that. There's a lot of search volume for them, but at the same token, there's a lot like there's just a ton of different results. And so you're like, wait, what is the Amazon customer actually searching for? So what's been your experience, Brad with your, you're trying to target some huge keywords that are very competitive. How have you found success there? And what do you attribute it to?
0: I think, um, so as I was saying, a lot of, the products I have it's all about the design so you can kind of overcome some of those obstacles of you know the amount of competition and you know similar products by having winning with a design so you know it, it, and you can really find that out quickly so th- there is the whole keyword strategy so let's say that I'm I have a product that's like a gift for a mom you and you don't really know how well it's going to do you might not want to target gift for mom like as your main keyword um exact or phrase term right away because you know you have zero reviews and you might just you know spend a ton of money um so yeah some of the strategies i've done is is you know maybe find a longer tail uh keyword that it might fit into or maybe it says best mom ever on it so Why don't we target that? Because um, you know it's it's a lot more likely someone's going to be searching for that, and then that will make sense. Um, But yeah, I'd say creativity. There's what I've learned just from being in the space is there's not a lot of creativity, you know, especially compared to um, Etsy or Pinterest or even go on like Redbubble. And there's so many ways to find some creative ideas and they're not on Amazon because Amazon essentially is, there'll be, you know, one, one phrase. And then, you know, it's a lot of Chinese sellers and they just copy that exact same phrase and maybe try to, you know, change around the design. So if everyone has that same phrase and let's say it's even on the same product and you come up with something that you, you know, you either you think is clever or you think is work or it's, Will work, or it's doing well on on Etsy. And then I use Picfu a lot, um, so you know there could be it, it could be two designs that are similar, or it could be hey, here's one design I like that I think is funny, but here's another design that's completely different. You know, my target market's you know third you know thirty year old women to sixty year old women, like the yeah. main target market. So I you know I will pick those in my PicFu when I when I create the campaign. And then have those side to side. And the thing with Pick Food too is that people will write like paragraphs. So you yeah, get some true. really good you get some really good info. And then also I I just the, the people that are buying on Amazon, sometimes I'll have a really what I think is a really cool design. And then one that's just like eh, and then and then I'll I'll run the uh the poll and everyone picks the eh one just because I don't like it's people don't take risks. And that's like kind of how a lot of things are like, you know, even like in the movie industry, you know, they're doing a lot of sequels and like all the algorithms are like telling you what people like and everyone's so scared to go like outside of what the algorithms are telling them because then you're taking a risk and it might be, you know, it might benefit you. Um, And I've had a couple products where, you know, I've launched them and right away they're like, they just convert, convert, convert. And then all of a sudden you have a unique product that maybe the product itself is not unique. Everyone, you know, let's say it's like a coffee mug. Everyone has that mug, but everyone's mug says essentially the same thing in a different design. And you come up with something different. So now and that's why you got to buy a lot of, or I buy a lot of inventory if I really like, uh, you know, an idea because then you don't want to run out. But Yeah. yeah, then you start gaining rank. You start getting your reviews. And then when the you know sellers come in to, to rip you off you're so far ahead of the game that them just having a lower price isn't really going to bump them up um and a because they can't copy your design exactly but b you just have too much momentum going um, yeah so I, I think yeah the way that you in, in competitive um uh, situations or competitive categories you just have to be more creative than other people, you know, especially in the gift category. I mean, I don't know that that applies in every category, but that's kind of what I've noticed.
1: Yeah. I think you, I would echo a hundred percent of that where Amazon really is not the innovative platform where new ideas are coming. Right. Typically it's all those other, you know, platforms you mentioned, Pinterest, Redbubble, Etsy, like there's, that's where a lot of like quick new ideas kind of come to light. And then Amazon, I feel like, is one of the last places that you see innovation in terms of creativity and and, and new product ideas. And so I think that does leave room for opportunity. Now, Brad, you, you mentioned earlier in some of our earlier conversations that you have some unique tools that you've found to help maybe identify some trends or to identify, you know, what's selling well on Etsy, uh, because it is a completely different marketplace. So do you mind walking through some of the tools that you use that allow you to move into a very competitive marketplace? But because you've done all this research and data, you can place a $400,000 purchase order and be like, I'm all in and I'm confident in, in what I'm doing here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's, I've always used Etsy in general. um, And you can find, you know, if you go to Etsy and I'm just going to go right now just to look through stuff. So if there's, you know, a keyword that I already know, then, you know, that's obvious. I can just type that on it, type that in on Etsy and kind of see you and know, what's selling. Brad, and if, you wanna,
1: if you want to share your screen, you can share your okay. screen here. We can do a quick demo. Okay, cool. So for our listeners as well, uh, check out, we post all of the videos as well on YouTube. So if you're listening to this audio version know that there will be a, a video version that you can come check out. And Brad will have a, a little demo here for us showing, showing us how he works his magic. All right, we've got the screen up and running.
0: Okay, so if I just type in gifts for mom, um, so the, the popular now, usually, like that's how I used to find out like what's popular. Like you can look at all these. The way that Etsy does it though, is like some of these might not be good sellers. And you just assume it's not like Amazon where like, you know, absolutely the best products are at the top that aren't sponsored. Yeah. They just kind of like constantly are moving this stuff around. So look at the popular now. Um, and, you know, some of the stuff's custom. So, you know, you don't want to, you're not really going to make any money doing custom on Amazon. Um, but yeah. So just look at, look at some of these like ideas. Um, and then you can also like read the reviews. Um, So that's that's one way. And then, like, I just like really getting into it, like clicking on this and then, you know, now like, oh, this is cool. You know, this is personalized, but maybe there is another option and then like seeing what else this person offers, um, where once again, this is custom. So probably not the best idea. Uh, But what I what I found is is a website called E-Rank. Okay. so this is free.
1: Hey, even better.
0: Yeah. And then you can, and then even when you get the extended uh, version, it's like $30 a month.
1: Yeah. And, and to go back as you log in here, I want to. So on Etsy, it shows you like, here's popular now, and then here's like bestseller, right? Are those yeah. good indications that those are actually moving on Amazon? Like, or yeah. sorry, on Etsy, like popular now is a good indicator, or is bestseller an indicator?
0: Well, both of those, any sort of tag like that is, is good information or is good. Like those are popular products. All right. We're in e-rank. All All right. So this is just such a cool tool. Um, so you can go to I, like what I like to do. And I have, I'm just new to this too. But um, if you go to hot, this shows you for all of these different platforms, what's trending and, you know, which is pretty amazing. So even like Redbubble. You know, some of these Halloween obviously was just there, but they have, um, yeah, just, you know, unique keywords that you might not be thinking of. And then within that, you can really start doing research so you can start with something real broad. So let's go to Etsy and like minimalist, like that's interesting at five. There's probably a lot of ways that that can go. Yeah. So you click on that and, you know, this gives you a ton of good info. So this is this is Etsy. Um, it's telling you the search trend in the US. So obviously there's a big spike in December. Um so this has been kind of popular for a while. It's not like um you know moving up but you know the Etsy comp- uh competition for this word's very high. Um and then it just starts giving you all of these other keywords. Uh, this might be interesting to you but the the minimalist wedding invitations and templates yeah. are, are popular. Um and then, then you go down, and then it's going to give you a bunch of similar keywords, which this is powerful. And then also within the Etsy platform, it's telling you, like, where there's opportunities. So minimalist wallet, there's not a ton of competition on Etsy right now, and it's telling you the Google searches of 22,000. And then right there, you can click and see the Google Trends. Um, and then if you go down here, now it shows you all of the top listings. So you can filter this. So we were just talking about, um, you know, some of the tags that it had. But if I want to filter this by hearts, which is going to show you what which products have sold the most. All of a sudden you're you're able to see exactly for that minimalist what people are buying, like the top products. So some of these, the only downfall of this is that these are over you know an accumulation of potentially years you know that's a lot of hearts yeah but but still you're getting 146 daily views so like you just use all the tools that are there and this is a lot of a lot of jewelry um so i mean it depends what you're looking at but like if we go to there was another one i saw that was interesting minimalist um just right here, there's a t- like. If you're one of those people that likes to do research, you can. I mean, this is the holy you grail. You can spend all there. day. You could spend all could, day yeah, going through could, all this. It seems like. Day. And this this is just the Etsy. So if you want to like go into something else, um, there was minimalist decor was a big one, and I was uh uh. So that doesn't have huge search. Let's see if there's another one that's very high. Let's see if there's another opportunity.
1: And it also shows you, I like how, as we look at this, it also shows you like the level of competition, right? Yes. It says Etsy competition, it has it ranked like very high, high, medium, low, very low, right?
0: Yeah. And then even like, this is interesting, happily ever after competition low, there's 50,000 searches. So this is obviously just a phrase. So like there, I guarantee there's an opportunity where you could put this happily ever after on some sort of, you know, sign or cup or mug, um, and then you know you could, you would just have to cross reference with what's on Amazon. You know, if, P, if that many people are searching for it on Google, then I'm sure on Amazon they are too. Um, See, so yeah, yeah, happily ever after. I mean, this is very low, very low. Um, I don't know much about it, and they, they, some of the Etsy does a lot of SVGs, which is just you know little mm, like like, like templates, SVGs. yeah, yeah, t- temp yeah. Templates um, here's these wedding can coolers like these are like murdering right now and like these are just can coolers. So why not put it on like a Tumblr or something else? Um, yeah. And I'm sure that that's on Amazon. But how about you just do a better design and like how many people are on Amazon and like look at some all these creative ways that people are putting it. And then let's go to Amazon. And then just type in that and see how it autofills. There's neon sign. Um, Did it move over? Records. Seven seven thousand people are searching that a month. And then yeah, you can wow. start getting ideas here. But if I just type that, I mean, there's a lot of signs. There's then then there's books like this is this is potentially a great opportunity because seven thousand people are searching for this and there's like they're not searching. I'm assuming for. Like all of these audiobooks, or maybe they are, like I guess you could find out, but we see on Etsy that there were no audiobooks and there was that many people searching for it. So yeah. this could be one of those situations where you could come up with a cool product. No one's targeting this that has physical products except for these two people. Um, and these aren't even selling that well. So if you grab a, a hot selling product off of Etsy um, and then target, just have the beginning of your title, Happily Ever After gift. Yeah, Um, you have it. You potentially I mean, I don't know how it's going to work out, but you potentially have this whole keyword yourself Um, like there's no cups. um, And like, once again, you can you you can find out what the longer tail keywords are. So, yeah, I just and that's just like one example. I, I feel like if you spend some time in there and you know, you like have some ideas and you can use helium and Jungle Scout to, you know, cross reference some of the words and see how they're doing with Amazon that there's a ton of opportunity. Um, so that's the trends. Um, and then monthly, but yeah, a lot of this is Halloween stuff. So it'd be interesting to see like if it wasn't. Um, but yeah, so I, I think this is a really cool tool. And um, just using Etsy in general, and then Pinterest seeing top pins. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm in the gift category, but I know decor is a big one. Yeah. Um, and you can make a lot of money doing that. And there's a ton of products on really creative products on Etsy that that you could just kind of mimic and, you know, get from China and bring over to um, to Amazon and really make a lot of money. I love that. Any other software tools that you use? E-Rank looks like
1: it's it's amazing. Any other tools that you use then besides Helium 10?
0: Um, I, I use um I mean, I use the brand analytics on Amazon a lot. So, you know, essentially that shows you this same stuff where it's the top 20. But then uh, this is kind of one of my hacks, but I'm in the gift category. So in in, uh, brand analytics, I'll just type in the word gift. Mm. So it will tell me all of the top keywords that have the word gift in it. Don't go to brand analytics and be like, all right, well, like, iPhone's number one, this is number two. Throw in a word that's part of whatever you're selling and then see what it spits out because then then it's telling you what the, you know, what people are searching for and what's ranking the highest, like, closer to the category that you're in than just, you know, completely broad. So I, I, I use those two. And then I use um, – I follow a lot of my competitors and – just kind of see what what they're doing and like where they're ranked and what they're coming out with. Um, there's some aggregators in, in my space now, so it's it's interesting to to follow them and just see kind of like what they're doing. Um, how so are
1: I, how are they doing in general? Because I know uh, everybody talks about the aggregators and they're not doing so well when it comes to actually running the businesses at this point.
0: Yeah. So the the one aggregator they're, they were one of the ones that were smart like and they kept on their brand owner and and that those it seems like the aggregators that kept on the brand owner and they worked together uh, have done really well like especially during the big downturn as opposed yeah. to the people that just thought they could figure it out themselves I mean as you as you know like when you're in a niche like you become obsessed and you know you know it would take them years to get caught up to where you are in terms of like what you know about that niche and like just simple mistakes that you can stay away from and like who to follow and like whether a product would work or not. So um that's that's something I, I I'm not sure that they accounted for. Uh and I think that um yeah, it's it's so valuable. So the 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 aggregator in my space has done they do a better job than I do of you know they're they're bringing outside traffic. I think they've you know done some good stuff on changing you know the, the branding, the boxes, but they're not really coming out with new designs. Hmm. So I I will come out with new designs and then like look at the ranks of of my products and like notice that they're higher than their main products because it's new um, and it's yeah. you know something that's you know trending and it's something that's different. So I can kind of overcome. You know the the my lack of like um you know I don't have a team of thirty people r- running the brand yeah so but if I can be more creative then within this category that's a huge advantage so I, yeah. I so they're doing well I mean but um you know I think they could be doing better if they were actually launching more products and I think it's so important here I think you led on to an
1: important aspect um this goes back to one of the mistakes you made earlier right. If you kind of think Amazon or just playing e-commerce in general is a passive income stream, like you're sorely mistaken, because one of the most important things is that you've got to stay engaged. And the best way to grow is by releasing new products on an ongoing basis. Even big brands that are doing 50 million plus, they're launching new products on a consistent basis because they know that that's what's required to stay relevant Plus, I've even heard a previous podcast guest, Matt Altman, shared with his experience. He believes that part of the A9 Amazon ranking algorithm is when was the last time that this brand launched a new product on the platform. And so Amazon, I think, is favoring brands that are bringing new products onto them. And he said when he's launched a new product, he even sees some of the older products maybe even get a little bit of a bump because Amazon wants you bringing more and more onto their platform. And I would, I tend to agree now we, we know won't know the, you know, the true story of how much weight Amazon does or does not give to launching new products, whether they do give you an organic bump or not, it is a good sound business strategy that I would recommend to every business owner be implementing and always focused on new product development, new product research, because as you noted here, the trends change over time and you've got to stay relevant and come out with new stuff.
0: Would you agree? How often, yes, I would. How often are you, cause you have so many skews. How often are you coming out with new products? And it's probably like, uh, I don't want to say easy, but um, you have it down where you can come out with new products easier than someone that, you know, maybe isn't in that category. Yeah. So we
1: go into two new category, like product categories. Every single month, that's like our annual plan. Our number one priority is like two new categories a month. So what that requires, like if you do the back plan, the backwards planning for all of that, what that means is I have to have a team that is analyzing and identifying 20 new product ideas every single week, right? Then from there, once a quarter, we'll break it down and say, all right, here's our tep- Here's our top 10. Every week we're generating 20 new ideas. But then, on top of that, once a quarter, we'll sit down and be like, all right, let's look at the top 10. Which ones are the best here? And then from there, you know, we have, we go through the analytics, we review all the data that our team puts together. Then we say, all right, this one passes our test. Let's plot this on our roadmap. And so, right now, we kind of have 18 months worth of like products that we're, we know we're going to be launching. And that's my job is to make sure that we stay ahead there because I know that that is the lifeblood of the business. And what's interesting too, and you've seen this yourself, I believe that sometimes the things that you think you think you're going to move in and just absolutely crush, you're like, it ends up being like flops and you're like, "Ah, okay. But then the stuff that you're like, ah, well, whatever, like I'm not overly impressed by it, but let's throw it out there. Um, and that just shoots to the moon. Right. So, yeah it's, it's kind of using that entrepreneur mentality. You alluded to it earlier. They're like, you just got to stay in motion and you've got to carry that momentum instead of coming home or having to like, Hey, it's five o'clock. I'm going to sign off. I've got to go watch the football game and I'm just going to veg on. I got to watch my Netflix series tonight. Like if you do that, like I'm happy if my competition's doing that, keep doing it right. You keep watching the Netflix series because at night I'm hustling, right? Like the, it never ends. And that's how we continue to stay relevant and then, and pushing out new ideas, always testing, always innovating, always innovating. I feel like is the lifeblood of any good business that wants to grow and succeed.
0: Is that, is the creating the new products and coming out, is that one of your favorite parts of the business or what, what are you drawn to the most out of all the you know, aspects of running a Amazon business?
1: Yeah, it's definitely changed over time. Um, And and I think that every founder needs to go through these individual phases, right? At the beginning, it was just my wife and I, right? And it was me doing everything, like do the product research, look at the opportunities. Then once we have the product designed, I need to do the keyword research. I need to do the copy for it. I need to take the images and and build the listing, right? So at first, I was doing it all. But what I've been able to effectively do is like identify where my zone of genius is, and where my zone of genius really comes into be is uh, like the creative aspect of looking for new product opportunities, right? So for me, it's can my team share with me here's some of the new ideas that we presented? Then I can say, ooh, I like this one. Why don't we merge it with this? We could then get some of the keyword data from over here that could feed into this product. So for me, it's kind of like mashing it all together and like creating something kind of newer ish, um, in the market. Now I'm not an inventor by any means, but that's kind of like my sweet space. And I know that like, that's a, that's really difficult to train somebody or create an SOP around like, well, you've got to look at this, then look at this. And then just kind of like intuitively know that if you did X, Y, Z, you're going to have this result, right? Um, It it, it's hard to like, how would you tell somebody, go paint like Picasso, right? it's like, well, it was his own, like, it's an art form in and of itself. And so um, that's where I know, like, that's my zone of genius. That's where I provide the most value to the business. So what we have done is how do I be able to spend most of my time in that zone of genius, right? And so over the last five years, it was, okay, hey, we found somebody that can do the keyword research for me. All right, perfect. We get that I've created an SOP. We got that in place. Right. Then from there, it was like, all right, now we need somebody that's doing our listing images. Okay, we get that person in place. We get a project manager in place that's managing and making sure that we go through all of the SOPs that I've created. Then you add in PPC like, but we've done this one step at a time. Yeah, Um, very methodical. And is there still a lot of tasks that I'm doing right now? Yeah, like I still am the one that goes in and approves many tasks and, you know, still works with many of our suppliers. And, you know, we hired a new VP of operations now, and he's moving in to be that person. That's the going to be the point of contact with those manufacturers. So it's like just taking it one step at a time. But I think it is important. Like you mentioned, like I understand my zone of genius. I understand where I provide the most value to the business. How do I get everything else off my plate? but do it sequentially um, yeah. and create SOPs and hire team members, get them up to speed where they're doing it 80 to 90% as well as I was doing it. And that will be good enough.
0: Yeah. I, I like um, just how you mentioned that you don't have to do everything all at once. Just take steps because then you get overwhelmed and then you don't end up doing anything. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. If you're like, Hey, this is, we need to, to you know figure out how we're going to, run ads and either like delegate it to someone else or, you know, create a team. And then like, after we're done with that, then we can figure out, you know, supply chain. And and I, I just think that's important. And something I've kind of figured out too, is that, yeah, you got to narrow down, you got to do everything, you know, one step at a, at a time, because then you're just going to get overwhelmed and you're not going to, you know, make the right decisions or make any decisions if you, if you don't just take it step by step. Yep.
1: Totally agree. Brad, I know we're running
0: up on time
1: here. This has been a great conversation. I think a lot of people have got some great ideas from here. One other question I did want to ask you is as it relates to including the keyword gift in your title, I've heard different opinions. That's a no, no, or yeah, Amazon's okay with that. What's the rule that you've seen, like including the word gift in titles?
0: Yeah. So yeah. That's really how I, especially in the beginning um, when I launched, that was my main strategy and no one else was doing it. Uh, And that's why I was ranking so high. And then all of a sudden, like everyone started using that strategy. Um, It's, uh, I've had no issues. Every once in a while, like the the phrase cute gift um, is one that they will give you like, I'll create a listing and let's say, this is against Amazon rules. You have 10 days to Mm. remove this. If not, we'll suspend it. Um, but yeah, like knock on wood there, it's, it's definitely really important in terms of, you know, having that in your first four or five words, um, because that's what people are searching for. So, and, and, and you'll see like a lot of people are, are using it. So, um, yeah, the only I've gotten like a, you know a, I guess a hand slap or just a warning on you know a couple, and I've just created you know within the last month maybe four or five products, and they all have gift in the first four words, and no issues. Awesome. That's so great. I would say, yeah, I would say you know go ahead and do it. It's it's really really important um, you know especially if you have a great product and you're going for one of those high volume you know hero words like gift for dad or mom gift. Yeah,
1: makes sense. You heard heard it from the man who's selling all the gifts. So uh, I think everybody doesn't need to be as worried about that, um, including the word gift in your title. That is okay. All right, uh, Brad, as we wrap things up, I've got my three final questions I want to ask you. But before we get to those, I'd love to leave the audience with three actionable takeaways from each episode. Here are the three takeaways that I noted, Brad. Let me know if you think I've missed something here. So action item number one, Uh, and takeaway is that you cannot view your business as a passive income business. If you do, that's okay, but just know that you're not going to grow that brand to probably eight figures and beyond. You need to actively be managing it. And so number one is just you need to set an annual plan for your business, and then you need to go execute it. If you truly have in your heart that you want to Grow your ba- brand to the next level. Um, you've got to be paying attention to it. You've got to be working on it on a daily basis. So that would be action item number one. Uh, takeaway number two, I think, is the lesson we learned with like cash flow management, right? And this also kind of correlates with like being actively engaged in your business. You need to, with a physical products brand, inventory is going to be, you know, what can make or break your business in terms of cash flow. And so it's important to understand like, you've got to in first invest the money in the inventory before you're going to start getting paid back on that inventory. There's a few things that you could dive into and we didn't do this today in the episode, but that's why it can be so important to create some very favorable um, terms, payment terms with your supplier so that maybe you could even start generating revenue on those, uh, those units before you've actually paid that invoice we currently have that set up with some of our um, manufacturers, and it makes the world of difference. They're, they're kind of financing our business and being able to launch new products more quickly, and we can you know more manage the, the cash flow of the business to stay alive. And then action item number three, I think last but not least, is you've got to bring creativity to the Amazon Marketplace, and Brad did an excellent job. You shared us a a great tool, E-Rank, and then you did a quick demo for us of how you can identify what's trending on other platforms that are even more creative, right, Etsy, Redbubble, Pinterest, and then how you can take some of those ideas and move them over to Amazon because that's where the least creative space genuinely is, and, and it's a great opportunity. So. Those are my three takeaways. Brad, is there anything else that you would add that I've missed?
0: That was a good summary. I think you nailed it. All right.
1: All right, Brad. So let's wrap it up with these last questions. What's been the most influential book that you've read and why?
0: Um, I've, I've been doing a lot of uh, some like personal growth type books, but they do correlate to business. Um, there's a book called Psycho-Cybernetics um, by, mm. I think his name's Maxwell Maxwell Maltz. And a lot of, you know, what he writes about, I mean, there's a lot of brilliant stuff that he writes about and a lot of personal growth books are, or self-help or however you want to categorize it are, are based on a lot of his beliefs. But I, I uh, after reading it, I, you know, I, I realized that um, I think some of my success uh, in, Am- in the Amazon space can be attributed to con- consistently thinking and creating goals. In my head um, and like subconsciously, your body will move towards those goals. It's like a, you know, goal striving being and it just needs direction. So, um, you know, me, you know, in the shower, you know, on a run, just thinking about like, what if I did, you know, 2 million? What if I did 4 million? You know, as opposed to a lot of people have the negative what ifs um, and just creating like a crystal clear picture. Of what you want your business to be, and keeping that in your mind in your conscious um and then you know hoping that you you know your subconscious you you know eventually will start taking those actions um and and I've really i I think that that was a huge part of of me growing my business and you know i I've been uh, intrigued in applying that to other parts of my life too um and i I'm not like some people say like the manifestation and like use those words and get like turned off. But, you know, he breaks it down scientifically about how the mind works with the body and, you know, what happens when you create these very vivid goals and keep them, you know, in your mind and in your consciousness constantly and like the the great things that can happen. I love that. I'm a big believer in mindset as well and visualizing
1: what success looks like to you. And the mind's a powerful force that can figure out the way to get to what you have visualized in your mind. So uh, that's a great summary, Brad. Um, Love that. I'm going to have to check out that book. Uh, Next question is uh, what is your favorite productivity tool or resource?
0: (laughs) I'm really bad with this. Um, Let's see. Um, Yeah. I mean, (laughs) honestly, I, uh, I just bought a big whiteboard and I, I didn't have one before. So waking up and seeing those goals every day, like in terms of apps, I mean, I just, I I don't use anything different than everyone else is using. Um, I'm kind of like old school when it comes to that. Um, I I do like to use, you know, I have a couple other businesses with people. So utilizing Slack um, so that I'm not, you know, constantly on my phone. So yeah, any way that I can use Slack as just a, a platform to like, You know, combine ideas and then have those readily available and then (laughs) find that whiteboard. And then like every morning waking up, seeing some goals that I have and then also what I want to do that day. Um, It's like unavoidable. And instead of even having it on my phone or just like in my mind, um, those are two things that um, have been helpful for me. I love it. I love it. Get back to the basics. I love the, the whiteboard. All right. And last
1: question then. Uh who is someone that you admire or respect the most in the e-commerce space that people should be paying attention to and why?
0: Well, you you had mentioned him before, I think he was on the show, but Kevin King. Um when I when I first started, I went to that I was talking about how I went to that billion dollar summit. And when I went there, I I literally like didn't even have a brand. Uh we were just like filling it, you know, we would create products and just fill in like a name of whatever the product was. And um, I just, the the amount of people that he brought together for that summit, I thought was amazing. Um, he's yeah. Just listening to him talk. He's he knows his stuff so well. And he, and he's he can be, he's a very kind guy, but he's also like kind of, you know, kind of no nonsense at the same time, which I like there's like a combination of that. And he, he puts on a a good uh, summit, and um, I think he's just a wealth of knowledge um, and an easygoing, but humble guy. So I think that if you haven't like heard of him, and you know most people have, he's a, he's a great person to just start following. And he knows you know everything that you would need to know in terms of being successful with Amazon. And if he doesn't, then he's connected to the people that do. Yep, I definitely
1: encourage our guests to go. Uh or our listeners to go take a listen to Kevin King's podcast interview that we recorded is one of the first five, I believe that was posted. So scroll back down and, and take a listen to that one. Uh, but Brad, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach out to you?
0: Um, I just probably Instagram, um, <laughs> Alan Brad 85, uh, is my handle. um, yeah, that's, that's, I'm not really out there that much. We're working on the brand and everything. So that'd be the best way. But hey, I wanted to mention that, um, I'm sure your, your, uh, listeners haven't, or maybe you brought it up, but, um, you did win that hack contest at the, uh, last billion dollar summit. And I thought that was really impressive. There was a lot of, um, very successful high level sellers and you had the best hack and beat them all and won the money. So, I, uh, I, I just wanted to, to make sure that everyone was aware of that because you're a humble guy. So. <laughs> well, well, thank you for that, Brad. Yeah,
1: that is true. I, I won the hack contest at the most recent billion dollar seller summit. And uh, yeah, I was on stage with all the big guys that, uh, you know, you could imagine. Um, so I was humbled to, you know, the audience selected me and uh, my hack is the win, but uh, it's fun. And that's, what's, so fun when you show up to that billion dollar seller summit and any Amazon conferences for the most part BDSS is still probably one of my favorites you go there and just by showing up you're rubbing shoulders with people that maybe don't even have a big voice or name that you don't you've never heard of but they've got some amazing you know knowledge to share so it's all about learning and staying fresh on that which is which is why I show up too and I've learned a lot from you today. Oh, thanks, man. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Brad. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have another episode that we'll record in the future and see how things have progressed in the
0: gift space later on. Cool. Sounds good. It was great talking to you. All right. Thanks, Brad. All right. We'll see you. Thank you for listening. Visit ecombreakthrough.com for more information. If you've enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can show your appreciation is by clicking the subscribe button and quickly leaving a review. See you again next time.